Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome to today's show. I love, love, love real estate, and today we have one of Vancouver's top real estate agents on the show. Welcome to the All Things Renovation Show, Roland, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on, Brandy. It's a pleasure. All right, so Roland, you are someone who I feel is sort of cut from a similar cloth to me, basically someone who dreams big and goes after those dreams wherever they may lead. You co-own several businesses, including a Keller Williams brokerage. Uh, you're also an author, you're a real estate investor, you're a family man, and you have also recently launched a podcast about real estate investing. Have I missed anything? Um, no, I think equally inquisitive like you, and we're just excited to um, yeah, learn something new and then dig deep into it. So, um, Yeah, so I, I, I heard this term quite a while ago, it's called a multi-potentialite. So it's someone who like digs in, digs in hard, deals with whatever that is, absorbs all they need to absorb or do what they want to do with that. And then they move on to the next thing. And that is absolutely me. And I think that is absolutely you. <laughs> I hadn't heard that before. I like it. Anyway, so I wanted to have you on the show uh, to discuss your views on renovating our, our properties and to see where you see uh, ways to add good value, um, because that's often a concern that um, some of our clients have and just people at large, like if they're gonna do a renovation, they wanna make sure that they're spending their money wisely. So does the the theory of renovating your kitchens and your bathrooms um, still hold true when we talk in terms of getting good return on the money that we spend in those areas? Is that still something that is is sort of re relevant today? Definitely. It's still kind of the marquee areas that people um, see and spend their time in. And the kitchen, I think, never ha more has it been important. Um, you know, I'd say maybe one of the biggest differences over the years that I've noticed is with renovations, it's not automatic anymore that you can spend a certain amount and then get that plus more if you're doing a quick turnaround in sale. Uh, however, that in that, there's an opportunity where a lot of our clients are doing renovations and living and enjoying in it for a while with the idea that maybe, you know, maybe we'll sell and then it'll be a great perk in maximizing the value in the home, but along the way we can enjoy it. And so that's kind of a shift I've seen in my career where um, more clients are renovating earlier in their home ownership cycle because they know I, I get to enjoy it. I'm, you know, it might not be brand new when we go and sell it. But um, I'm not also looking for, a, you know, a return on the money I spent more. It's an accent to selling the home. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, from my point of view, it, it, it makes sense to actually enjoy what you have created for even a small period of time, as opposed to doing what I guess we would term as a flip. That's yeah. a whole other sort of conversation, I think. Um, and then. What about bathrooms? Are we still sort of feeling like bathrooms are part of that um, theory as well? Or are we looking more to like, is it a shared or a master or um, powder rooms? Are they all the rage? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people still really like their, their you know, as largest and, and spa-like that you can make your bathroom. That's a big feature. Um, there's mixed feelings on showers and bathtubs. I have clients that walk into a home that doesn't have a bath, that wish it had a bath. 
And I have clients that walk into a beautiful soaker tub and they're like, that's pointless for me. I'm never going to use the bath. So, um, you know, if you, if you had the space and the opportunity and the budget, the perfect balance will be both, but <laughs> yeah, you, know, you sure. can only do so much. Um, but bathrooms yeah. are really still the rave. Yeah. So if we, we talked a little bit about timeline previously, um, where people can renovate and enjoy and then sell and would you say that there is um, sort of a threshold of timeline if someone were to renovate to, in theory, they know they're going to sell maybe in a year or two, is it worth it still to maybe do a renovation or is it like, no, if you're going to renovate, you should probably do it, say five years out um, before you're planning on selling. Or is it like, yeah, you, I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier where, um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be able to put a $30,000 kitchen in and get $50,000 back on it. Mm -hmm. I think less than five years in my experience, it does look like that seems to stay timeless and current. Um, and then ironically, once I'm showing a property that's, you know, nine to 12 years old, it almost feels dated. So, you know, I, I'd say three to five is probably the outside number for a renovation. And if you still want to be able to call the property, you know, recently renovated. Um, and then it also depends on who's living in the home. What's your wear and tear, right? So oh, yeah. if you, um, if you don't have a lot of wear and tear on your home, then five years, I've seen renovations that look like it was done five months ago. And I've seen, you know, two-year-old floors that need work. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely the wear and tear. Well, and also the maintenance, like mm -hmm. even if you have a brand new renovated space, you're still going to have to make sure you take care of, like you say, like the flooring or, or what have you and keeping it clean because two years of never being cleaned is not going to show well. <laughs> um. Do you find uh, that there's anything that you would normally recommend to someone who is maybe getting closer to selling their house um, that you would recommend that they do as far as a renovation or a bit of a, a spruce up or something like that? Do you find that there's something that makes a, a house more sellable um, in way of, of planning those renovations? Yeah, I mean, it's really um, the the easiest properties that seem to sell right now are the turnkey properties. So um, it seems like a lot of buyers have, especially with the interest rates being as low as they are, have a lot of budget, a lot of mortgage, and maybe not the additional cash or the interest to, you know, do renovations. Um, so there's a lot of attraction to a turnkey home. And then the extreme opposite, finding a dump. Um, and so the middle ground is often the confusing area where you have a home that's really well kept. Um, it's dated. So the owner's been there for 20 years and they still like, they're so proud that everything's pretty much original. Mm -hmm. And even though it shows so much better than a, a property that's really been worn in, the reality often is if someone's going to start renovating, the cost of renovating is the same. And, and so that's sometimes a confusing one because, um, you know, it's, it's hard to figure out what are the the little differences that we could improve on a home that's been really well kept. Um, some of the mistakes that sellers make is they kind of mix timelines and objectives. So they have a plan of a, perhaps updating their home and they, they modernize one room or one bathroom or the kitchen and leave the rest. And they know what they spent on that room. Let's say they, you know, renovated the kitchen and they spent $50,000, um, but they left everything else original in their mind, their home is worth, what it was before the renovation plus the 50,000 they just spent. Right. And the buyer that comes through certainly loves the kitchen, but now it actually puts a microscope on all the other parts of the home. 
and they kind of did the buyer dismisses the money that was spent on the kitchen and they were asking well you know why why is the rest of the home not done so that's often you know if i can be in in close communication with my clients when they are having a, a combo plan of perhaps living in it for a few more years but also selling it is making sure they don't um, start partial renovating because that can put them in a predicament yeah i can see that how you know it's like when you when you paint one room of your house, it makes the paint of everything else and all the other rooms look really dingy. Totally. So um, it almost feels like you either do a comprehensive update and, you know, it could even just be new paint, new baseboards, um, you know, maybe some new passage doors into each room and, you know, change out the dingy um, curtains or what have you and get it a little bit more presentable. Yes. Um, I could see like that sort of lifting everything up to the same level as maybe that kitchen reno or what have you. And that, um, yeah, I can see how people would come in and go, yeah, but now I'm going to have to do all the rest of it. <laughs> Holy. Um, and then I wonder when people are, are assessing a house or, or, or property and they want to, um, you know, we all have our list of the things that we want in our, in our homes. And I think over time it's changed. Um, you know, it used to be all this open plan and I, I don't know, like all, all kinds of different things have probably been something that have been trending over the years. Is there anything that you're seeing sort of more recently that more and more buyers are requiring, like even like maybe like an EV charger um, or yeah. things that are more energy efficient or are they really appreciative of like say new windows or like anything like that? Yeah, the EV charger is definitely coming up more often, even with folks that don't have an electric car and they're just curious whether, you know, it's already plumbed in or whether the, the panel has the capacity for it. Um, during the last year going through COVID, um, it, uh, hot tubs have been really a conversation <laughs> of item, an item of conversation. And so often it does with the older homes bring up the, you know, the, the understanding that the panel probably doesn't have the capacity for it. And so I've seen quite a few clients figure out, you know, what would be the cost of upgrading the panel and, and um, the, the hot tub was certainly something that I wasn't discussing with my clients usually before. And I've seen lots of clients install hot tubs in the last 12 months. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I almost wonder if it would be like a deterrent before, oh, there's this hot tub and now I have to take care of it and I don't really want it. And then now I think that, that shift has happened where, you know, we're in our homes a lot more and, you know, maybe wanting to have sort of that, you know, outdoor activity type space. Um, I know we were, um, we'd had a bunch of inquiries around like making outdoor spaces a little bit more functional. We even had a couple of friends, they dubbed their sort of bit of their upgrade, like a pandemic patio, for instance, because they wanted to still sort of be six feet apart away, maybe from their neighbor, but, still covered with the tent and they put some heaters out there and a little fire table and the whole thing. And it wasn't like a huge extensive renovation. I mean, they did put a new um, patio in and then they did get a hot tub in fact. Um, so I can see how, you know, the, the time sort of dictate a little bit about maybe where are those trends are coming from. So that, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I can see yeah, that. And I, I also think like, you know, um, a lot of the homeowners right now that are in their, you know, 40 to fifties, um, they might've remembered growing up with a pool but their parents didn't see the value of the pool. So there was a whole generation after their parents that was happy that the house didn't have a pool or even filled in the pool. And now, um, you know, there's certainly limitations on space for most homes, but 
there, if a home can carry a pool and has the right sunlight, it is also now starting to be something that clients are inquiring about where previously, you know, it was more, like you said, mentioned as a, perhaps a negative or a, a, a concern about safety. And the other two things now that you've made me kind of think of it is um, natural gas outside for barbecues. It's just, mm. it seems like people want to just be able to hook up their, their gas and fireplaces. Like all the new condos are usually electric and yeah. the new, and a lot of buyers are, you know, really wishing it was gas. So we'll see if the developers bring that back in or if it's more of a sitting, you know, city reg legislation and such that it will continue being electric. But most gas fireplaces are starting to get recognized for some value versus the electrical. Yeah, well, I know um, the city of Vancouver is trying to phase out all gas everywhere. And personally, I think that's a mistake. Uh, so if you do happen to have gas, Keep yourself lucky because anything that's new that's coming in, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Um, talking about fireplaces, though, uh, in the same sort of vein as this gas idea, people who have wood burning fireplaces, there's so few and far between these days, you can't even put one in anymore. Yeah. And uh, I know that that is something that you know, we have a wood burning fireplace at our house because ours is like a 1949 bungalow and people walk in and if we have a fire going and we do often use our fireplace, wow, a real fire. It's like this really exciting thing, right? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think maybe that having the um, capability of having a gas uh, appliance, whether it's in the kitchen or a barbecue or a fire pit or whatever, where you're not constantly having to change over your propane. I know right now my barbecue is out of propane and we can't have to go fill up a new tank or whatever, but um, it is a little bit painful when you run out of gas. You're like, oh, I'm gonna flip my burger over. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm halfway done with my chicken breast. <laughs> yeah, no, not not a good scene. No. Um, so I'm wondering, I mean, if someone were looking to buy a property that they that like as you were mentioning that was sort of the one that was hurting, they needed to like infuse some some love into it or what have you. Um, are you thinking that, you know, doing uh, like a luxury reno would add a lot of value? Or are you thinking just like a sort of what I like to call a good value for dollar type of renovation? And then, um, you know, in a handful of years, would it be worth a lot more, do you think? It, again, it is product specific and market driven, but mm -hmm. um, it's a lot harder unless you're in the high end product and, and the math makes sense to to uh, it's a lot more risky I see that people um, overspend on a renovation going for something you know that the they keep ele elevating the fixtures and the the things that they want without having kind of an end budget and then working backwards because there's a reason you kept it at that price point so what you call you know a really good value reno I think is what I call a, a valid a safe one where um, you've just done enough that everyone walks in, they're going to see brand new and they like it. But many people are also going to, you know, I wish I had, it had this backsplash or, you know, we could have done the breakfast nook larger, or, you know, maybe they could have removed that second wall instead of just one wall. But it's, you know, it's for a kitchen. It might be the difference between a 35,000 reno and a 55,000 reno. Um, if it's a smaller kitchen and that doesn't, um, the higher end investment doesn't always compute. And so it really, again, come, that's the nice part about if you live in it for a number of years and if you've always wanted it, um, you get a lot of joy out of it. 
the biggest challenges I find is when someone overspends on a reno and they're looking for the buyer to recognize what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you have to be very, very modern, concise, and lucky to find a buyer that is giving you full credit for what you've spent. Um, and more often I can find people that, you know, kind of mixed in their personal choice and got some, some fixtures or some styles that really speak to them, but, um, are, le- and, and, you know, they didn't want the boring mundane, but the boring mundane, the subway tiles work because they offend very few people. Um, but they're very boring. Right. And, but again, it, it's, it's almost that mix of, if you are going to sell, there's a risk of getting too fancy or too um, specific yeah. if you can't find that same consumer. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and something that we or I talk about a lot with our clients, and I'm sure you're similar, is what is your long range plan? Like, what are we what are we aiming for here? What is our are we is this the, the house we're going to die in or is this the house where we're stepping stoning into the next property or um, you know, like what is it, what is our overall plan? Are we doing a kitchen, but you know, in three to five years from now, you want to do a master bedroom and, or sorry, master bathroom and then add another bathroom upstairs. Well, with that, I would say, if you're going to phase things, let's do the top level first and then we'll work our way down. So sometimes it's really good to really think about what your longer range plans are and then work towards those. So to your point of, uh, choosing things that are, are, non-offensive to the multitude of people that may not be super niche or super trendy right now if you're planning on selling soon that's probably the better choice Mm -hmm. and if you know that and maybe someone's asking for your advice or if i know that and someone's asking for my advice we would be directing them to do one of two things like if you're planning on staying there forever (laughs) you're gonna die in this house and you're gonna carry me out in a box then fine I tell people put in purple tile. Like mm-hmm. I have no agenda. I will put in purple tile for you if that's what you want. But if I know that you're planning on selling in a couple of years or even five years, I would say maybe you might want to rethink that because you're probably going to turn away a bunch of buyers totally. <laughs> with purple tile, for instance. Right. So I think, you know, it always comes down to the planning for me. And yeah. that's like the really boring, dull thing. People want to get excited. They want to like put those shovels in the ground and get going. Uh, and I'm sure people are similar with you where it's like, no, I just want to sell my house. I want to sell it right now, but let's really look at what our overall plan is and what are we doing? Or maybe they want to buy something right now, but let's take another look at see what is your overall plan and does it make sense to even buy something right now? I would imagine. Is that sort of a conversation that you often have with people? Yeah. Like what, you know, same, you talk about planning. I talk about, um, you know, it's like, what's your avatar if you were looking for a home or an investment property? Like, describe to me why we're doing it, what we're doing, and, you know, what are what are the things that we're reaching for that are musts, and then what are kind of the next layer of needs? And um, it's always interesting as well with the primary home, you know, clients can say something that's really important to them, and, and it could be budget-related area or, you know, specific room sizes, numbers, and then they deviate dramatically from it for some home that speaks to their heart. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of, of buying, you know, your home because your, your heart often changes from what you, you know, you thought you wanted. Um, and that's one thing if you're the buyer, cause you can choose, but if you're the seller and you're choosing to prepare something for resale, um, it's, um, it can often get complicated for folks that really 
you know, lead with their heart for their budgeting and their finances, and they didn't really plan it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The question I had for you, Brandy, was do you notice a difference between folks that have renovated before? Uh, do, like, are they better planners the second time? Or is there any pattern that you notice? Um, I would say people who have renovated before, the biggest, I guess, plus would be that they understand that there's a process and that there's going to be disruption and that they're going to have to make some choices. Um, the fallback or the, the other side of that coin is that sometimes they've had such a bad experience that now they're second guessing everything that they are choosing or that we're doing or whatever. Um, I would say they're probably more open to having a, someone put their voice in because they've already done a reno and whether it was successful or not there, I feel like they probably have a little bit more understanding of what the deal is. And then, you know, really interested in knowing sort of what our perspective would be on, on their next project. Um, But, you know, sometimes people just are like, Nope, I know what I want. I know what I want. I know what I want. And I come in and I go, I don't have an agenda. I'll do whatever you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever you want. And if you ask my advice or whatever, I'll provide it and I'll definitely yeah. give you some guidance. But um, oftentimes, you know, people go one of two ways. We work a lot with people who've never done a renovation before. And I, there are a lot of work to handhold, mm-hmm. but I almost like it better because I can provide a really great experience for them. And they're, they're not going to have to go through the heartache of having a bad one. <laughs> yeah. And I would rather give them like, here's the good experience. And then later on, if they maybe do it themselves or they choose a different contractor for some reason, instead of coming back to me, (laughs) that they have someone to compare to that's actually done a good job. Um, I've had a couple of different things happen that way. And people were like, oh, we wish we would have come back to you instead of going over there. So I know that um, sometimes it can kind of work both ways. That's for sure. Totally. Anyway, um, well, I, you know, I feel like we've covered a, a good amount of, of, of topic here. Is there anything else that you wanted to add as far as? Uh... Yeah, I mean, if I was bringing it back to kind of just preparation and surface touch-ups for a home, if you're at the, you know, you're in the preparation stages of selling your home, um, is if you, you know, as I often, when I do a walkthrough with a seller and, and I kind of figure out how, you know, and often ask how honest do you want me to be and what's your comfort level of the amount of work that you want to do in, in preparing your home? Because you can go from nothing, like you could put it for sale today, or you could, you know, spend the next two weeks with stagers and movers and, and do a whole number of things. And it all has um, a return, a potential cost, and what is your comfort level? And so that's often um, important to know because, you know, some people will tell me I only want to paint my black walls if I can't, you know, if it's inhibiting my, the sale of my home, but I literally want to live in this house with the black walls until I hand over the keys. And, you know, I've had situations where the home sells and I've had situations where two weeks later we're painting the black walls white and they're unhappy, but the home sells. And so if I would sum that all up, um, if you have like a critical friend that um, can tell you honestly, those are often the great people to, you know, have conduct a walkthrough in your home as, as if, you know, they're looking to buy your home and they give you some really simple, but good feedback. And like some of the things you've already mentioned, it often comes back to replacing things and, you know, sprucing things up and, and 
painting and maintenance. Um, a lot of things that homeowners don't do while they live there. And then once they are done and they've decluttered the home, they enjoy the home that much more. But, you know, it's often the small touches that can make a big improvement as well for, um, you know, for preparing the home. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that for sure. And the funny thing is that after people do that, they don't want to move anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, my house looks so good. Um, all right. Well, Roland, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Brandy. Super great to chat with you. You've given us some really good little nuggets and tips and things. And before I let you go, um, I wanted to go through two things. One, um, if someone wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way to do that? Um, my email is pretty darn easy. It's just Roland, R-O-L-A-N-D, at Roland Kim, R-O-L-A-N-D-K-Y-M, and .com. And otherwise, my number is 604-970-0393. And i um, happy to uh, give any advice or field a phone call. Yeah, for sure. So I'll put those, um, those things in the show notes so that people don't have to madly rewind and <laughs> scribble everything down, especially if they're on the go. Um, and the last thing I wanted to touch base on was two questions. And there's nothing nefarious about them. I just want your like honest, instant answer. Yeah. Um, the first one, what would you like to change or renovate in your own home right now? Uh, my bathrooms. Your bathrooms. Okay. And what kind of bathrooms are we looking? Are we looking spa? Or are we looking just like get them cleaned up? Uh, the master has a lot of room. And so like looking for a nice hotel style bathroom. Cool. Yeah. And uh, the second one is, are you handy? And if so, what's your favorite tool? And if not, what tool do you think would be the most fun to use? Um, I don't have enough time to be handy. I did grow up in a farm, so all my handiness comes to problem solving for the short term. So it looks good on the farm. It looks uh, sporadic on a house. <laughs> and I have learned that. And um, I just, I do like a hammer. I'm good with, uh, I, can, I can hit a nail really well. It's, <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Well, and also, you know, hammers can be used for demolition and people seem to really love to tear stuff apart. It's like anger management or whatever people get out and get out their aggression. Um, well, again, it's been great having you on and I hope for uh, those who are listening, you found some valuable insight and um, I uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon, Roland. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brandy. It was a pleasure. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for all things renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.